You're listening to Community Spotlight on DTA Live Radio. Nzinga Asata, author of Women in the Garvey Movement, and you're listening to DTA Live Radio at www.decolonizingthearchive.com. So today's spotlight is on author, veteran in the medical profession, female repository of culture, and activist, Nzinga Asata. We welcome her today to today's Community Spotlight. In a time when people are looking for the right answers, let us hone in on the work done by this empowering lady who is a soldier for social change and global awakening. Thank you, Nzingo, and welcome to DTA Live Radio. Uh, Greetings and welcome, nice to be with you. We're going to be focusing on your book today and also on some of your worldviews, of course, because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So we'll be touching on these areas. But firstly, I would like to start with a book that you've authored called Women in the Garvey Movement. And I would like to first ask you, what inspired you to write this book? Okay. Well, during the uh, 80s, in fact, in uh, 1987, Uh, It was the uh, centenary celebration of Marcus Messiah Garvey and I was one of the people who put together a committee of uh, Pan-Africanists to organise and implement celebrations around Garvey and Garveyism. I was actually the treasurer and fundraising coordinator in the uh, Garvey Centenary Committee. I was asked to do a talk on the women in the Garvey movement And I thought to myself, but I've never heard of any women who were in the Garvey movement. I've only ever heard of Marcus Garvey. And so I began to um, um, do some research and to explore, to find out, well, who were these women and what was their contribution? And I did a presentation um, in Tottenham um, regarding the life and work of these women and um, began to collect different uh, forms of data from the British Library um, and so on. And I had a good friend um, called Dr. Philip Gobbin, who was from the Seychelles, a biochemist, and he also secured quite a lot of literature for me um, about the lives of the various women. And so uh, that was how this idea to have something concrete like a book that other generations can actually use Uh, came into being. Wonderful. And for our audience listeners, just so that we can have a picture of you, because we're listening on audio now to you, on who Nzinga Asata is, and of course we've heard what inspired you to write this book, Women in the Garvey Movement. Can you tell us a little bit about who Nzinga Asata is? Okay, well, um, I was born um, in Jamaica. I came to this country um, 16th of January 1959 as a child, obviously, and um, lived nearly all of my life in Britain. Um, As I grew older, I began to uh, look at the issues that were affecting our people. And in fact, I joined the Association of Black Social Workers and Allied Professionals, 
We used to meet in Brixton and um, I was learning from my colleagues about the racist way in which um, especially parents, black parents were being treated, children being taken into care, etc, etc. And um, if you like, I began to grow politically and to recognize that as a people, we have a responsibility to work towards, um, um, if you like, de-brainwashing our people because over, over uh, time, um, as a people, we've, we've lost contact with our legacy, our history, connections with our own people. And we operate in the world um, on an agenda that doesn't necessarily seek to benefit and advance us as a people. So if you like, I began to move with other Pan-Africanists. Uh, they used to have lectures at Head Start at 25 West Green Road in Tottenham, where I met many of our great speakers, like Dr. Y Joseph Ben-Yokanan. Some of us believe that the Cadillac and the house on the beach makes us free. But it's the mind that makes us free. Uh, Dr. Charles Finch, Diop, um, Walter Rodney, all of these great people were brought to give us grounding sessions. So as, as one became more and more aware that there were issues that affected people of African heritage, I became more and more involved with that work and saw myself as a Garveyite Pan-Africanist. I learned such a lot about Garvey and Garveyism from um, the centenary and, um, dis and began to organize myself, uh, forming um, first the Harriet Tubman sisters with some other sisters in Ballam in the uh, 1980s. We used to organize demonstrations. Um, when Cherry Gross and Cynthia Jarrett was uh, uh, well, Cynthia Jarrett was, um, uh, we call it, murdered in um, Tottenham and Cherry Gross was shot in the back. I was actually one of the chief stewards uh, helping to organise that demonstration along with some of the women that I was working with. So these were the issues that um, brought me, if you like, to the fore as um, an ardent Pan-Africanist in our community. I have lectured uh, all over the country in different parts, um, at Africa Liberation celebrations in Birmingham, Manchester. Um, I've done, I'm a poet, I've done performance poetry and um, a whole range of, of, of things, um, you know. Uh, and just to say also I'm a mother, um, I have two children, I'm also a grandmother of um, six. And yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Lovely. I'm loving this. Um, I'm sure the audience would have captured quite a bit there. Um, I'm loving the fact that here we have, you know, you see these pictures in history when you turn the magazines, you know, the demonstrations. And many times you just don't know who are the persons that actually put these things together. Who are the people who steered, you know, these movements to come together? And what are their narratives? What are their stories? And here we are today, honored to have one of those persons because those are two very important moments in black British history. I dare say colored people's history in the entire um, <laughs> of Britain. And for anyone who is studying race relations across the globe. And here we have Enzinger Asata. Thank you so much. Wow. So. On that point, I would like us to move into the area um, of the women that you've chosen to speak about. 
in your in your book. You have chosen Amy Ashugabe. You have chosen Henrietta Winton Davis. You know, and I would love for the audience to get a piece of why you have chosen to put a focal point on these women and their contributions to us here now in the present. Okay, well, certainly, I mean, these are legends in, in their own right. And in fact, in my opinion, when I spoke, when I launched my book in Jamaica on CBM radio stations, one of the things that I was suggesting was that so few of our children know anything about the work of these women. And so in my opinion, as a people, we have a responsibility to ensure that the future generations don't just grow without this knowledge of their own history, origin, and culture. Now, um, the women that worked with Marcus Garvey, I mean, we hear of the Garvey movement, and more often than not, people think of Garvey. Um, even some of the scholars, they speak of Garvey. Uh, Garvey's movement had a membership of over six million people, uh, branches across the entire world. Um, women played a key role in Garvey's movement. Garvey insisted that women should um, if, have leadership roles. So where there was a male president, there was a female president in the movement. Henrietta Vinton Davis, she was actually one of the leading um, um, activist women in Garvey's movement in its early days. Uh, she was an international organizer. She was a great orator. She actually also um, held a position in America. She was born in America as the recorder of deeds, an office that was given, well, not given, she was interviewed for by Frederick Douglass, another great warrior in our history. And she, um, she did Shakespearean plays and, um, as I've said, was a great oralist speaker. She was a teacher by profession and recruited um, other people to come on board and become members of the Garvey movement. She was an international speaker. She was also one of the women who was um, selected. Garvey was thinking of moving part of his organization to Liberia, where they wanted to set up on the continent of Africa. And she was one of the women selected to actually travel with the delegation to meet with the leaders in Liberia um, during the ninth, I mean, Garvey's movement was 1914, and its height, it moved, was up to about 1923, um, and then it began to decline. But so Henrietta Vinton Davis was one of these, um, these people who was selected to go and become one of the leading negotiators with this um, Liberian government to actually establish a branch of this um, movement there. And she made such a valiant contribution to um, the development of the UNIA itself and was at one time one of the lady presidents. Moving on to Amy Ashford. Up to this morning, I was telling my daughter, you know, and I was saying to her, I said, I always felt like Africa never came out of me. Africa stayed with me over the transatlantic and it never came out of me. Now, Amy Ashwood Garvey was the first woman to join the organization. She actually, um, Garvey met her at a debating meeting in Kingston, Jamaica, and um, they developed a great friendship. 
to which Garvey felt that he had found, as he called it, his Josephine. They were married in 1922 at Liberty Hall in the United States of America, and she helped to develop the first outline, if you like, of the UNIA, ACL, the Universal African People's Development Association and African Communities League. Uh, she was a secretary working uh, closely with Garvey and in some documentation it suggests that she actually, um, because she wanted women uh, to also be um, in um, leading positions within the organization, that she influenced Garvey in terms of how that came into being. Because the Garvey movement um, had a, a large following of women, women who were public speakers, women who were organizers in their community. The, the um, publisher of the Garvey Negro World Printing Press was a woman. Um, uh, Lillian Galloway, a lady, coordinated all of the different restaurants that the Garvey organization had across the United States of America. So Amy Ashwood was a, a, a leading Pan-Africanist in her own right, powerful orator and, um, you know, a great organizer. In Labrick Grove at uh, One Bassett Road, there's actually a plaque outside the Afro People Center, which she established. Um, in the uh, just after the war to provide support for our people, people like CLR James, George Padmore, um, all had meetings there uh, when they were organizing the uh, Fifth Pan African Congress in Manchester in 1945. And she also had a restaurant in Carnaby Street. Um, the name of it escapes me at the moment. But just to show you that, you know, these are women who wanted to make change. They wanted to contribute to the development of our people. She traveled widely across Africa. And when she went to Ghana, um, she was uh, met by the Ashanti people who traced her roots back from her granny uh, to the Ashanti people. And she was given land, an African name uh, and so on. Move on to uh, Garvey's, now she was Garvey's first wife. Um, their marriage didn't last very long because um, I think it was two powerful people together and they always clashed. So anyway, moving on, um, Garvey's second wife was also called Amy, Amy Jakes Garvey. Now both women were from Jamaica. Amy Ashwood was from uh, Portland and Amy Jakes was from Kingston. Now Amy Jakes, um, um, became the second wife of Marcus Garvey. She was actually a long-time secretary in the organization. She was a great organizer because her father had um, ensured that she was trained as a short-time typist in a legal firm in Jamaica. So she was very skilled and very organized. And when she met Garvey and joined the movement, she assisted with a lot of the administrative work uh, subsequently, after Garvey's uh, divorce from Amy Ashwood, they were married and Amy became, in my opinion, um, a very devoted wife, uh, a leading activist in the organisation. It is through her work that we have uh, the philosophy and opinions of Marcus Garvey, volumes one and two, and then she was preparing volume three. Um, for publication, but died before it was um, it was printed. But um, one of our great African warriors uh, from Nigeria actually had the book printed and uh, credited that work to Amy Jakes Garvey. Now she used her own money 
um, to um, prepare this book and to circulate it around the world because she wanted the world to understand Garvey's work, what the organization was about. And obviously the organization was about uplifting black people, bringing us together as a united people. As you remember the Garvey slogan, Africa for the Africans, those at home and those abroad. And she she actually contributed greatly to that. She was a journalist in her own right, an active speaker. Um, she also coordinated the, um, the uh, women's page, Our Women and What They Think, which featured in the Negro World newspaper, which was the newspaper of the UNIA ACL. We had um, um, sisters like Augusta Savage, she was a sculptress, and she used to draw busts of, um, uh, she did a bust of Garvey and also of W.B. Dubois, and these were sold um, and they were used to raise funds for the UNI ACL. We had the Black Cross nurses, apparently at one time, its membership was over 10 miles long. And these Black Cross nurses catered for the welfare and the health and well-being of people of African origin, uh, mainly in America at the time, because the organization grew to the biggest heights when they were in the uh, United States of America. Um, many, many other women, we have women such as uh, Madame Domino. Now again, she was one of the international organizers for the organization and she used to recruit members and, um, and um, prepare speeches. She also helped to coordinate because they also had a junior branch of the uh, Black Cross nurses where you had the younger women and they were actually um, um, advised, encouraged and supported by women such as Madame Domina. They organized many fundraising events, cultural events across the, uh, the United States and um, so on. Uh, going back to Amy Jakes Garvey, just to say that she's also the mother of um, Garvey's two children, Marcus Garvey Jr. and uh, Dr. Julius uh, Garvey. Um, I mean, a whole host of women. I don't know how long you want me to speak for. I mean, there's many, many, many women. I know. There are quite a few. There are quite a few. Um, okay. I should say, rather, there are quite a many. Oh, loads, loads. I mean, to be honest, my book is just the tip of the iceberg. And I would certainly encourage other women and men to, um, you know, get on board. This is our history. We have a responsibility to create not just to draw on the past, but to be creating history now so that we can hand on the baton to future, the younger ones and to future generations. And um, I mean, um, when you think of a membership of six million internationally in South Africa, without the internet. Hey, do you know what I'm saying? Costa Rica, they have great plaques down there of Garvey. In Jamaica right now, we have Liberty Hall at 76 King Street, which is downtown Kingston, just above Parade. And there's a massive, this is a massive multimedia museum about Garvey um, and all the people who obviously worked with him. Um, and again, also in contemporary times, I see myself as a woman of the Garvey movement. I know many women in organizations currently, Sister Andrea Williams-Green, uh, who is now Kabul Mahat Keru, 
on Iria Femme in Jamaica. She is a staunch Ghanaian, and every August at Iria Femme's office in Ochiria, she has a massive celebration to commemorate Ghanaian's work. Um, you know, Sister P from Portland, who used to organize in Portland, um, in Jamaica. You know, following on and moving forward that legacy that we have, it is our legacy. And um, we really have a responsibility to ensure that it is ongoing. Looking for a gift to give your family from age 8 to 60 plus? Look no further. Get your Windrush Time Capsule Coloring Book. Imagine a history book that tells you a tale of migration like no other. Color your way from the docks of Deptford Shipyard to the far off imaginary future of Britain in the year 3039. Will you be able to change the future? Or will history repeat itself? To get your copy of the Windrush Time Capsule Coloring Book, go to the DTA online shop at www.decolonizingthearchive.com and shop now. To, to take you further, just um, to, to dip into, so we can put things in context, because you, you've mentioned legacy. Now, when we're looking at how young people are accessing information today, and how they're even responding to, you know, when we, you know, we, we say names like, you know, Marcus Garvey, women in the, in the Garvey movement, but what parts of your book could you consider to be pertinent and would possibly help young people who are looking for answers, especially now with all this pandemic drama going on, looking for answers as to how to make things work. Could you give us a, a part of the book that would have a message or a, a methodology that you could say you would want to share with them? Certainly. Um all of the essays uh, in the book that were written by, I've reproduced them exactly as they were written in the um, 1920s, 1930s by Amy Jakes Garvey. Um, there are about 25 different essays looking for at all different aspects of life. There is information on child rearing, there is information on reading and the importance of it and how to be a great reader. There is information on mental health, information on what our role and responsibility should be in the world. So in terms of, let's say, reading, um, it's not just about reading what you like, it's about reading important information and putting it to good use in terms of your development, in terms of your family's development and the development of your community. Um, in my own work, there at the back of the book, um, there are a number of poems looking at um, the role of the black woman in society. Um, my One of my essay on female exploitation and oppression gives good, it, it takes you through many of the issues, but it also gives concrete um, suggestions of how we can actually uh, put an end to this and how we can, what kind of steps we ourselves can take alongside men, because, um, you know, to me, it's not about um, 
us all doing our own thing. We all have to work together. So the importance then of um, us bringing the change that we want to see, but also sharing that with our family, the males, the females, etc., uh, so that we can begin to uh, eliminate some of the problems that we seem to suffer as a community, whether it's in our health, um, in our young people, um, and so on. So I would say that it depends on what you as a young person are looking for. Uh, books are really just a guide. And so you have to, if, if there's enough in, in women in the Guardian movement to um, give people ideas of how they can do their own research, what are the kind of um, things that are important in a society, etc. And, and I think that there's more than enough in there for any young person to use uh, if they're wanting to uh, further their own development in terms of whether it's a political development, whether it's uh, in, in a social field, a counselling field, etc. I think there's sufficient work there for that. You are now listening to DTA Radio at Black Control Archives, where living archives meet airwaves. Okay, great. So, moving on, I would like to look at, again, highlighting and spotlighting some of the work that you've done. I know that you are aware of the medical um, arena in terms of care and nursing in, in Britain. And I would love for you to share with the audience members, you know, having been there in that service in, you know, in times past, um, what it was back then, what were the issues that you still see being carried over to till today? Well, to be honest, um, I think the issues have not gone away. They're just, they come in a different form now. I mean, obviously when I started nursing way, way back in 1969, um, you had issues around um, overt racism where people would say to uh, black nurses, they don't want to be nursed by you and you must get your black hands off them, those kind of things. Uh, obviously, as um, pe our own people have, have uh, stood up and decided we're not going to tolerate this kind of stuff, and you had obviously the introduction of things like the Race Relations Act and so on, which and um, race awareness training and other such things in the 80s, which um, I think I would say brought into being a lot of policy changes not necessarily mental and mind changes because a lot of people in the society still have this idea that uh, somehow because they have a different color of skin, they are more important and are more superior. And you know, one of the things that we as a people need to understand is there is nobody on this planet that is superior to you or anybody else. So you need to ensure that wherever you work or operate in this world, that you stand up for your rights and that you put up with no nonsense from nobody. Another thing we need to be doing is pulling together as a people. When we work in institutions, it's not just about me trying to advance myself. It's about how we pull together because together people are less likely to pick you off and single you out for exploitation and oppression. 
uh, we had a lot of issues around even when you did your um, your written work, uh, you might get marked down for no valid reason whatsoever. And um, at that time, it was obviously a lot harder for people to challenge and to uh, stand up and um, and protest. But in contemporary times, there is absolutely no reason why we should put up with this nonsense anymore. And so it's about us, as I've said, working together with others. Don't try to work alone because it's it's just not going to work. They'll just pick you off and sack you or, or um, um, claim that you've done something shocking, even if you haven't done it. And they'll gather the evidence and take it to the nursing council and perhaps have you struck off the, the, the register. Um, I mean, you know, not to be depressing, things have changed quite significantly um, in terms of, certainly in my profession as a health visitor, uh, which was my main profession um, from the 70s right on until I retired. Uh, we had quite um, a good selection of uh, black people from the Caribbean, from the continent of Africa and from other parts of the world uh, working in this profession, which was a more independent uh, side of the health service where you had your caseload and you made the decisions how that work would be administered on a day-to-day -day basis. But again, you know, people were still subject to racist behavior. Um, clients ringing in to say they don't want a black health visitor. Um, fortunately, many um, decent managers would uh, call them in and explain the situation in terms of the fact that this is um, a society where people are equal, and if you don't want uh, that person, you may not get anyone at all. So um, I would say that the important things is for us to pull together, um, you know, join organizations, uh, make a contribution, join your trade union, if you have a trade union in your field, and, um, you know, ensure that the trade union is actually meeting the needs of your people because we can't just keep complaining if we're not willing to do something to make a change ourselves. Um, you know, so for myself, I'm, as you know, Connie, I'm um, one of the friends of the Black Cultural Archives because I believe that we as a people have a responsibility to ensure that our institutions um, are financed and that they remain um, viable. Um, you know, so it, it's about us making a contribution with others and not seeing ourselves as um, independent people out just to advance our own uh, development in, in the workplace. I'm so happy you've said all that you've just said, um, Enzingo, because it's, it's, you've tied it all in, you know, from your book in regards to the women in the Garvey movement, the things that they've inferred to, You've mentioned this in what you've just said in your own life and in suggestions to young people. And definitely what I'm getting from it are the themes of solidarity, working together, writing these stories down, making sure that we stand together and not work independently diving into information whether or not it's something that we are we like 
but if it's going to be useful for us you know to on to let us understand the whole story then we need to read about it or research about it watch it you know watch it on youtube whatever it takes so that we can inform ourselves better and i'm loving the fact that you also tied in the fact about black cultural archives because i would like the audience to know that you have offered your repository of archives to the black cultural archives can please tell your audience who would like to research in zinga asato the kind of things that they can find in this archive okay thank you well certainly um i'm not going to remember it all off the top of my head but oh. certainly there will be quite a lot of information on um um the political organizations that um um i used to be the co i'm the co-founder of the universal african peoples development association during the late 80s we used to organize um cultural events and um re-education programs at the albrighton community center in um in dulwich uh there will also be work around uh women's uh rights um as i said there was a member of the harriet tubman sisters and also the black action group in balham and so there'll be work on what these organizations were doing to advance the growth and development of our people uh i'm also a copious letter writer i champion the cause of the black people through letters i've got letters um that I've written here to different prime ministers in this country uh newspapers the gleaner a daily mail blah blah jamaica i've got a range of um, letters and stuff challenging issues that i think are wrong um and um you know i as i said pj pantis and i have responses from uh him from kd night on things that i've seen that were not right and um so i've i've written my letter and i've had responses as to how they plan to approach these things uh, it's also as i've said about us seeing and doing and not just seeing closing our eyes and complaining um other work that will be in the archives um in 1995 i think it was we had a massive campaign in this country by virtually all the black organizations it was around um defeating this play called slave babies now the play was uh, put on by a guy called Clive Knight from Blue Mountain Theater and it, the play was it was totally dysfunctional his publicity um had these images of rasta with pigs swinging on their locks um it had uh, information about um conflicts between caribbean africans and continental africans and we were going to have it so we met with him um myself and many other organizations at your initiatives in willington road in stockwell and asked him to change the way he was putting forward images of black people it actually was very dysfunctional anyway to cut a long story short there'll be quite a bit of work on that slave babies in the archives because we we picketed the Bloomsbury theater and uh the theater in Catford until the play was actually withdrawn and closed it down and the Jamaican um National Building Society and Renet who had been sponsored took out a full page apology 
in um, one of the newspapers to apologize for having supported the play in the first place. So that kind of work, uh, there's a lot of pan-African work around Africa liberation uh, celebrations and um, that kind of, um, of, of information. There's work about the Garvey centenary in 1987, some of the um, the literature that was um, um, being um, put out at that time, um, different plaques that were set up uh, to acknowledge the different places that Garvey had done his work whilst he lived in England, um, and work about obviously papers about the uh, women in the Garvey movement. My book is actually in the library, as is posters. I've also created a poster of some of the women who uh, worked in the Garvey movement and these are all in the library. Uh, a whole range of magazines and other articles from the early 80s so that people can have a historical context from the early days up to contemporary times. Um, all are in the archives and as you know most uh, a lot of that work is now digitalized by um, Google so people can actually access um, um, information for their research uh, online uh, logging into Google. What I'd like to highlight as we're coming down to work you know concluding this wonderful um, episode with you is um, I like the fact that you, I admire the fact that you have called it Women in the Garvey Movement. And almost to the point that I like the way that you've positioned women and men working together. Um, because I, I do tend to find when I read a lot of academic proclamations or, you know, writings, that it you kind of get an undertone of pitting people against each other. And I strongly believe, and I'm sure many of the audience members listening, and based on your work, I know this is what you know, um, Nzinga, is that our community is too, too small, too, 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 um, too exposed in an environment that doesn't really love us back for us to be trying to pit against each other. We really need to find ways to work with each other, regardless of what group you are in, within the African Caribbean community. We need to find ways of working with each of these various um, segments within our, 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 you know, our African Caribbean-ness, you know, the working together. And I like how you've done that with this book because you featured the women working with the men. You know, the works of, of you know, Marcus. Marcus was by no, you know, by, you know, a long shot. He was, he was, he was a, he was a very profound personality and, and strong personality. And what you've shown is that, yes, he was a strong personality, but what has made his work being able to tell the story today was not just his strong personality, but the work of the women behind the movement. And I think that's just brilliant. I think that's just brilliant because it just shows that, you know, one can't do without the other. We need each other. And that just goes across, straight across the board for whichever group, you know, we need each other within, this, within the African Caribbean community. So I really thank you for that. Can I ask if you have any special message 
that you would like to tell your community right now? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I mean, for me, really, I think I've said most of it already, it's the importance of pulling together as a people and also of supporting the things that we have created. So much has been created by our people. I mean, I've lived to see places like Head Start come and go. It's a real shame. Places like um, um, New Beacon Books, um, you know, Grassroots, a whole range of different institutions that have been created. I mean, obviously we can't keep everything, but we have Saturday schools, we have the Black Cultural Archives. I'm currently the treasurer for the Friends of a Local Youth Club. Uh, where I live, and there are a lot of young uh, black people who attend that. In fact, it's predominantly black people, which is why I'm involved. But can we get the parents or other members of the local community to come on board and to join the group so that we can keep it going for the young people? I think we have to begin to see ourselves as the creators of what we want to see in the society. And if we're not willing to be part of the um, maintenance of whatever it is we have, whether it's the archives, the youth clubs, the various um, committees, then we need to stop complaining when we lose them. Because we know we get the least funding and as soon as there's problems, they want our thing gone. So if we're not, we, we meant most of us have resources. And I'm not saying that everybody has masses of resources to spare, but even a small amount can help to maintain and solidify the things that we have. We need to start focusing on supporting the things in our community that are being created for us, by us. And that doesn't mean we're not gonna support other things, but if we become strong, as uh, I think it's um, Frederick Douglass that says, and Garvey, power is the only argument that satisfies anything in life. When you have power, you actually cannot be defeated by anyone. And a lot of things happen to us because we, we are, we're all working independently, bigging up our egos and our what have you. We need to work together. We need to support the things that we have and encourage each other. If we're doing the wrong thing, we need to say so. And we need to not just collude when our people are doing the wrong thing. If it's wrong, it's wrong. So these are some of the ways that we're going to bring real change to ourselves. We are not, you know, a poor people. I know the media and, and a lot of, um, of the uh, politicians want to make out as if we're all destitute and 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 so on, but we are not. Our people came here with virtually very little and built communities. Um, and we need to find out about this. They ran their little partner, they bought houses, etc. We need to look back to build and move forward as, as a people. That's, a, that's the best message ever. That's the message. <laughs> that, that's a message. Um, and Zingo, could you treat us with a poem, please? No, I can't do it. I'm going to pick the incomparable black woman. Is there any other race of people on this planet who can expect such leadership, dedication and strength from their women? Black people have much to thank black women for. Black women, the strong, 
confident ones, the quiet, unassuming ones, the women who are always there for the race, the women who are always there working hard, giving their all, being mother and sometimes father, being everything to our community, the black woman, mother of creation, strong, oh, so strong black woman. What is so very sad is that many black men fear her strength, fear her strong spirit and fail to love, honor and protect her, the black woman. Mother, daughter, wife, sister, aunt, grandmother. Black woman, mother of all creation. Black woman, the original guardian angel. He picked up with Jack and Jagulis on the Pella, you know my daughter. Hi, Gumakaska. Uti sama shebela matika sama shubi kumakaska film uskubasmanzi soyguanga matotempatu kumakaska film the global moth the dusky dragon speaks snow like a morning dew on the mountain Hermon kumakaska film the revolutionary the prophet the teacher the guide the global icon. Oh, the freedom fighter. Oh, my God, I'm going to go to the house. 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 Go back to Africa. Back to Africa. Unity. Unity in action. Unity amongst humanity. Amen. You're listening to Community Spotlight on DTA Live Radio.